And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into Ont Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. And you, listener, you know what? I don't know if I've ever noted that. You know, I'm, it's like I'm joined by Sahadev and Patrick, but you know what? I'm joined by you too, and I appreciate it. Um, we're going to talk some Cubs uh, here today. Um, it's, it's the halfway mark in spring training. Got three weeks to opening day. Um, I always find this is the point, you know, what are we a week and a half into games or so. And I always find for me personally, this is the point both as a fan and as someone who writes about the team. Um, it's not that I, it's not that I like completely glaze over. I'm still paying attention and thinking about the roster and we're going to talk about some of that stuff today. But as far as the games go, I definitely lose some of that zest at this point where it's sort of like, okay, you know, it's just practice. It doesn't matter at all. They're ramping up. They're working on their own things. Um, and so it was nice, I guess, to that end, to a little, little bit of a change up yesterday on Wednesday with the Cubs playing Team Canada as Team Canada ramps up for the World Baseball Classic. And that was especially nice to see, you know, Cubs outfield prospect uh, Owen Casey playing in right field for Canada and Jared Young, also a Cubs minor leaguer, uh, playing for Canada. So that that was a nice little uh, thing to break it up. But I don't know if you guys get the same way where it's like you, I don't know, you don't want to minimize the effort that the players are putting into these games because it's it's still, a, there are still things that we can evaluate and um, you know, they're, they are doing work, but it, it does become sort of like a, okay, I don't really feel like evaluate, I don't feel like analyzing a game right now that doesn't matter at all. And I'm no longer hyped because it's like, yes, spring training returned. Okay, now I'm done with that and ready for the season. Yeah, no, that that happens pretty quickly for me, I'd say. Like there's the, like that first buzz of like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see baseball again. Like I was, I was yeah. glad that my flight wasn't before first pitch of that first game like I got to watch like five innings before I got to leave and and I'm good I was good but it's like it's spring so training me, baseball yeah for me it's a week and a half of games for Zahadev it's about five innings well, I, <laughs> I, yeah I think like spring training in general the games uh, I struggle to like really get into it uh, like they're they're going to be certain at bats and certain pitchers that I will you know circle it's like okay this guy's supposed to pitch today okay i'm gonna watch i'm i'll pay attention that inning 
uh, for sure, because I talked to a coach that said, you know, this guy has a leg up in the, you know, in the bullpen race or whatever it may be. So you, so you want to see what it is that, that like, Oh, that, that they like that guy. Okay. Let me watch him. Let me make sure to watch him. And, and I can see what it is that they're talking about. But outside of that, it's, it's that in prospects for me during spring training. Other than that, it's like, okay, I, I think Patrick probably feels similarly. It's like, all right, let, let's, let's just get to work and talk to as many people as we can during these six weeks that we're out that, that the two of us are out there. I mean, come on, Brad. I know you were like in your basement chanting MVP every time David Bodie steps to the plate. Like I know, hey, I know that's what, how you wrote. They've won eight in a row, eight games in a row, man. That and cactus they, oh, well. crown is in sight. Yeah, they really. Have, that's the thing. Nobody cares. They've won eight games in a row, but who cares? Who cares? The Canada game doesn't count. It, it counts in this house. In this house, when we beat the Great White North, we celebrate that. That is the only game that counts, sir. Uh, good throw by Owen Casey. Yeah, he did. I know. I was, I was a little bummed. I was like, oh, please rock a home run, just because like that's that's sort of the silly joy that I was looking for. And we did get to see uh, Cody Bellinger's first home run. Um, and I feel like he, he, this is a little off course from how we were, you know, charting out the pod. But I just I want to say it. I I feel like he's looked good. I feel like he's taken good plate appearances. And I know that again, that really only gets you so far in terms of evaluating a guy in spring training. Um, but I just, I feel like he just looks very, and I don't know how this contrasts to the last two years with the Dodgers. Cause it's not like I was watching him every day, but I just, I feel like he looks very composed. His more, he's back to his more upright look. Uh, I think the swing looks athletic. I don't know. That's, that's my take on him. I, I don't, I'm not making any predictions about what the bat's going to be this year, but I think if you were looking for like horrifying red flags this spring, you're not getting any. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to prompt. Like we just started the podcast no, saying how fun. meaningless spring training is. And now you're trying to take us in another I'm direction. Of, but Cody Bellinger looks pretty good. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it, Brett. I'll, 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 I'll let, let it slide. Yes. Great, <laughs> great job, Cody Bellinger. Just want to remind everyone, uh, this is my go-to, but Milton Bradley had an awesome spring in 2009. Awesome. Like, he was like he was just amazing in spring of 2009, and I think we all know how that turned out. Obviously, extenuating circumstances. I didn't know at the time, like, this dude was, you know, a, a bad dude off the field, and and messed up uh in in significant ways but but that's just one that's the one that always sticks out to me like oh what a great spring it was before i'd really like bought into like spring numbers are completely meaningless but yes no, i will say this i'll give you this listen, one i am the sl- fifth starter i'm gonna slide in wait i i, I well I, hang it hang on to it hang on to it because i just want to slide in and say i'm not saying he has good numbers i don't even know what his numbers are yeah might you're be right good, i don't either be. i actually don't know I just all I was saying was just visually, I have found it aesthetically pleasing to watch his at bats. I think so he's that's definitely going to hit fifty bombs. And, win and I think game. there's something to be said about the mental aspect of the game of like getting results even in spring, just feeling good and being like, yeah, hey, look what that swing, my swing feels good. Oh, look at the results, that's nice. Okay, the swing feels good, and I'm seeing results off. You know, the ball's coming uh, off the bat really nicely. I think he's been hitting the ball hard from for the what I've seen and. 
yeah, you'll take that. You'd much rather that than him swinging and missing a ton. He's certainly not doing that. I haven't been paying enough attention to the quality of pitching, so it all could be meaningless, and it could, I mean, we could quickly be talking about this a month from now, like what an awful start from Cody Bellinger, but yeah, you'd much rather have this than the alternative, and and I think mentally is the biggest thing. Get him right mentally, maybe everything kind of falls into place, but you, 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 you should be happy, and he should be happy that things are going in the right direction, and then you just hope it builds off that in the regular season. Well, let's get into the exception to the rule here then, our, the fifth starter conversation, because I do think that is one where not just performance matters, but like kind of, I don't know, slight things you notice in camp, the way people you know will talk about, say, Wesneski or how Ross will answer questions. And sometimes, you know, it's not just the individual person's result. It's when the person you're competing against for the exact same job, like, I feel like it's drifting in a way where Wesneski, you know, it's going to like his job. The job is there for him to take it. And maybe I'm overreacting to the six home runs Samson gave up in less than five innings. It's Arizona. You know, it can be a hard place to pitch uh, at this time of year. Obviously, you know, he's working on stuff. You know, there's no kind of like uh, referendums going on here. But like at a certain point, you can't not notice these things, right? And I'd leave it to you two guys of kind of your first impressions here for probably like kind of the biggest spot uh, that's up for grabs here in the last three weeks. Yeah, it's always a delicate balance um, for all the reasons we, you know, jokingly and seriously said at the top of this that spring training is a lot of things. It's not the same as the regular season. So you can't evaluate players uh, because not only might they be working on specific things, but the guys that they're playing against might be working on specific things. And so, you, and they might also be double A players who are coming into games. And so you, you have to be very careful about evaluating spring performance results when you make these decisions. And you want to have the grace to, to or, or give the guys grace to be like, you know, if, if Samson's working on his fastball right now and he's trying to, uh, I read on, you know, Cubs.com, Jordan Bastion's piece uh, this week that, that Samson is trying to work on his, his sinker and his four-seamer and making sure they're getting enough separation. And, you know, whether whether it's an excuse or not sort of doesn't matter because you want to extend that ability especially in the first couple weeks of spring training to guys to do that like that's what it's supposed to be it's supposed to be hey use this time to put yourself in the best position to be good in the regular season and yet like you said Patrick we do also and the Cubs do also have to take stock of who do we think that guy is going to be and if one guy's looking great this month and one guy's giving up, you know, six homers in five innings, it's hard not to notice that. Yeah, I think this, you know, we, we have to take into account spring here because the fact that Adrian Sampson has that option. I think if he didn't have that option, this would be a little, this would be, you know, we'd have to say like, yeah, you kind of have to give Adrian Sampson a little more leeway. He showed what he could do for 100 innings last year. That's a decent sample size. Like you want, you don't want to lose him. But the fact that he has an option, and I'm not, I'm not wrong, right? He has an option. I mean, no, okay, you're correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, you, 
Hayden Wisniewski, I agree with Patrick, even before I left, like there's the way they talk about him, like they obviously are very high on on Hayden Wisniewski. And I'll be honest, I'm pretty high on him. I feel uh, I I think I did the Effectively Wild podcast right after recording this. So I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but I think I said this on the Effectively Wild podcast. But I I'm higher on him than like the general consensus of like prospect people are. I I think uh Outside of Eric Longenhagen with Fangraphs, nobody had him in the top 100 for prospects. I think he's he's the type of pitcher that that people maybe missing the boat on a little bit. Like he, I know he doesn't have like this elite fastball that that uh, scouts rave about uh, that has all the type of you know the spin rate and the rise and everything that everyone's looking for. But he's got an elite breaking ball. He's got tremendous command, and I think it's kind of just like the makeup and uh, the work ethic and like the kind of like, he just reminds me of this veteran pitcher that's been doing it for so long. And he hasn't been, and he really understands how to pitch what he needs to work on. Uh, he's kind of a perfectionist. Uh, so he's, he's not this ultra confident guy that'll go out there and be like, I'm awesome. And nobody can beat me type. Uh, he doesn't carry himself in that way, but he does have this confidence, but it's also like, He's very well, very well aware of what he needs to work on, his weaknesses, and he's a little critical of himself. He's like, yeah, my fastball is average. It's not I want to get it to slightly above average. I want like I I don't want it to be like this. I, I want it to just get a little bit better. And then I can say I'm above average in all these categories and the blah, 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 blah. He, he just really has he knows where he needs to work on things what little tweaks he can make to get better. I think those are the types of things that sometimes pitchers don't figure out until like, like Adrian Sampson just got to that place. Right. You know, and he's 30 years old. Uh, so these things take a while for pitchers to figure out and, and, and for him to have this type of knowledge and understanding of who he is and how he can get better stands out to me. And he's, and just like bottom line is he gets results every single time he's out there. It's just like, whether it's spring training or not, like the regular season was obviously very impressive when he was out there, uh, his big league debut and everything. So I think, I think the tide is kind of turning there. Uh, I would, I think I did say coming into spring that it was Samson's job to lose, but it's going to be hard to keep Wisniewski off this team. If the goal is to make the playoffs, you want to come out there with the best players. I know they kind of play down, uh, downplay, opening day and all that stuff and I agree with them when they're when you're talking about rushing a guy back from injury or whatever it may be but you want to put the best players out there and Wisniewski right now looks like he's the one of their better starters I, I I'm not sure outside of unless there's a reason to like really hold back on his innings and workload and stuff like that and really monitor that which you can do at any point during the season really um I, I'm not sure why he do, he shouldn't have the edge right now. I'm kind of shifting my thought process on that. Uh, obviously, there's still time for things to change, and and maybe there's more to what's going on with Samson than what what we really know right now. And yeah, he specifically is working all these on all these things, and and the pitching uh, and like coaches know exactly what it is, and they're like, yeah, we're not worried about it because that's not how he's going to pitch during the regular season. Fine, if that's the case, then then we'll we'll figure that out as uh, you know time passes but i right now like it's hard to say to look at wisniewski and be like that guy's not part of the rotation yeah i think it's fair to turn the conversation into more of this is less about samson and more about 
Wisniewski and what he's done to one pop on the Cubs radar and to convince them to give him up in the Scott Efros trade, uh, the way he pitched last September, whatever he did during the off season, um, you know, there are reasons why staffers talk about him this way. And, and I thought it was interesting the other day uh, after he pitched, he was asked about kind of Tucker Barnhart. And he said how um, after his first bullpen, he kind of had an idea. And then like Barnhart immediately brought it up and kind of as like a confirmation. And the way Barnhart uh, explained it, like his offseason program was like, you know, I didn't watch video on every single guy, but you know, there were guys that I thought who would be in the rotation or guys that I knew. And so obviously I'm reading way too much into that. It's not like the Cubs told him, hey, he's going to be our fifth starter, like do your homework. But I think it's like, you know, you can't fool players. And David Ross was saying this today about another pitcher of just like, you know, the hitters will tell us the answers here. And, and I'm wondering if, you know, the Barnhart and Gomes tandem behind the plate, you know, what, what they're seeing, some of the results out here, uh, whatever checkpoints the Cubs had on Wesneski's offseason program, I'd imagine he more or less hit them. And then when you ask about Wesneski, like, Ross will immediately, like, bring it over to, like, some of the, like, nerd pitch lab pitching infrastructure stuff like he speaks their language whatever kind of like the coaches and the analysts are talking about like Wisniewski gets it immediately I'm not saying Samson doesn't but it certainly is in the back of their heads of like okay if we bring him up to Wrigley if we ask him to do x y and z you know he will understand what we want to accomplish and how to execute it and that point will be up to up to him Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I think everything you guys have said has tracked and I'll, I'm not even, it's not even a devil's advocate thing. It's more just like layers to add on to this discussion. One being the name we haven't even mentioned, which is Javier Assad who is off to play with Team Mexico for the WBC. Um, We only got to see two outings from him uh, before he departed, one start and one piggyback. Uh, And just to note, he looked excellent. Uh, What I I found really interesting was the velocity. Apparently, he was doing a velocity program this offseason, and he was... David Ross said at one point that he was sitting 94-95 in one of his two outings this spring, which is... You know, I did a bit of a double take because last year I think he sat 92-93, which was for him a pretty big step up from the year before. And that that's sort of what helped break him out in the first place was he finally got his fastball to a level where it was potentially going to play. Um, so I don't know if that was a hot gun or what was going on, but it, it uh, I, I definitely saw the quote where he was suggesting that Assad was like in the 94-95 range, which if he's doing that at the start of spring... Granted, he was probably a little more ramped up than most because he had the WBC coming, but that just keep an eye on that. It's That is not me saying that he's going to win this job. I think we probably would have agreed at the outset of spring that he was probably the the, the guy on the outside looking in because he has more of a, a depth profile to him. But I don't know, man. If he's sitting mid-90s with his fastball, I, I'd like to pay a little more attention to that. So it, what I would add to that then in in combination with everything you guys have said is that there are still three weeks to opening day. There are inevitably other injuries that pop up. And so it may come to the point where it's like, Oh, it's not Samson or Wesneski. It's both of them. And even if it's one or the other, even if there are no injuries and even in a world where Kyle Hendricks, who we haven't talked about either comes back in a month into the regular season and he's ready to go. And he, you know, the Cubs want to honor that and give some runway we'll still see these guys. We're going to see all three of these guys making starts at the big league level because it's just, there is never a season where you've got five or even six guys making all your starts anymore. And the thing that I think about a lot is the long-term development of Wisniewski and the management of his innings and how that is going to factor into when the Cubs want to use those bullets. Because I, also think we would all agree that he if the Cubs are going to like surprisingly compete this year we we talk a lot about that they're going to need kind of uh step up performances and I think of these three starters that the guy you'd look at would be Wes Neske to be the one who'd be like oh wow they got a great freaking season out of that guy and I think the Cubs know that that's possible and I think they know how important that is now. But also, I think they probably are seeing a guy that they would love to to staple into the rotation for five, six years. And so you want to make sure that he checks all the boxes to, to really get to where he needs to be developmentally before you lean on him to be, you know, to throw 160 innings 
this year in the big leagues. I'm not saying he can't do it. That would just really surprise me. And so that I, I hold on to, especially with three weeks remaining in spring training. I, I think, um, you know, if, if a decision were made today, I think we we probably three agree what direction it would go. But at the same time, who knows what happens? And like one of you said, who knows the conversations that are being had with the pitching infrastructure on Samson? Like maybe everyone's on the same page with what he's dealing with right now. And um, ultimately, <clears throat> whether whether Wisniewski makes the opening day rotation or not, I'd still probably set the over under on his big league innings at the same level. You know, if he's in the rotation, you know, I still uh, over 130 big league innings would shock me. Uh, or not shock me that that would be like the level uh if he doesn't make the opening day rotation i'm still looking at about 130 big league innings and uh, uh you know i just the, the, to bring it all the way back around i just want to note this too because i i also i'm so i i obviously i read a lot of the scouting and um prospecting uh literature that's out there and i i noticed too that the general consensus among third parties is that Wisniewski's ceiling is sort of like a, a quality four. Um, he's dinged a lot because he doesn't have a plus fastball. And it's admittedly, it's hard to come up and be a front three guy if you don't have at least uh, a big league average fastball, which I'm not, by the metrics, I'm not sure that Wesneski did last year yet. Um, but, you know, Justin Steele was never heralded as a, even close to a top 100 prospect either. And there were a lot of reasons, you know, he's mostly a two pitch guy and, you know, there were, there were all these like sort of standard reasons to ding him. And, and I understood that. And yet here he is now. And I think if he's healthy, he's a mid rotation arm. I mean, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. So I think it would not surprise me if Wesneski steps up and is a mid rotation arm for many, many years to come too, and just, he was just never regarded as a top 100 prospect for whatever reason. Yeah, and I and I would just in general uh, caution fans about top 100 prospects when it comes to pitching. It's similar to the draft. It's similar to everything. Like the you know there's that old old uh, baseball prospectus saying tin step with there's no such thing as a pitching prospect, and it's it's because their injuries pop up. I, I think that top two prospects pitching prospects were Grayson Rodriguez and Daniel Espino Grayson Rodriguez didn't pitch much last year Espino had another injury this year to start this camp for Cleveland so it's I mean are they ultra talented yes do they do they have like could these guys be superstars at some point sure but they they struggle to stay on the field and that's that's a skill as well at times Um, I think I think if you look at Houston's rotation it's filled with guys that are really quality pitchers, uh, threes, twos, some ones. If you want to, if you want to give them that label, and I think the only one that was a top one hundred prospect is Jose Urquidy. In any, I think he showed up on one list uh, of all the other of all the lists out there, and and he's the one that that you know that's their like their fifth best guy right now. Christian Javier, Framber Valdez, all these guys, they're they're homegrown pitchers that help them win a World Series. And prospect people didn't think much of them. They weren't hyped in the prospect world. And that's fine. Like, I think pitching is really hard, and sometimes it gets figured out later in a, in a player's career. Uh, things click. Uh, 
all sorts of different things happen. Uh, injuries especially can slow things down, and I think that's part of the reason Steele was never on any list. Uh, player development can uh, change and, and uh, unlock something, which happened with Steele, which happened with Ebert Alzali, uh, you know, is happening with – I know when I talked to Wisniewski, his fastball is a big focus for him, right? He's, he's making slight tweaks to that and – and and hoping that he can get it to an average to above average pitch. So he wants he wants to do more with the pitch. It's I just wouldn't write off. I just wouldn't go off uh, top 100 list with pitchers in particular. I, I think we we need to see more. I, I like I think we talked about this last week. Um, just in general, like I, I'd like to I want to feel more confident with the pitching uh, development that they've built here with the Cubs by seeing more results and seeing more and more guys show up in the big leagues but i think it we're i think all of us are kind of on the same page that things are going better in that department uh just just want to see more and i think that's that's part of what this is it's like how much can they help wisniewski how how good can steel be um who 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 else is coming up who who else are we going to see over the course of this year that could be like well, I wasn't expecting that guy to make an impact and then look at him uh, helping this team out. Kind of like even like Javier Assad, who at this point last year, none of us were talking about. And now Brett's like, what? This dude's throwing 95? I don't know if that's even true. Um, I, I saw the same quote that you're referring, but sometimes I wonder like well, what gun is, is Ross looking at or is he just pulling that number out just to like because he's just talking. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if that's the case, that's great. And, and, uh, and ultimately – Getting back to Samson, if he is, if he's not right right now, it's fine. It, like you have Wisniewski. Like this is, these are the types of things that like they have a, the Cubs couldn't have done in years past. Like they were relying on these guys, and now they're they don't like. If Samson needs a month in in AAA to ramp back up and get right, okay, fine. That 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 works. If Wisniewski's in the rotation, if you know, if Hendricks comes back, like just having all these options is really nice for the Cubs. I don't know what it leads to ultimately. I don't know if it, if it's going to be the difference maker. I think Brett said it, but like you kind of want Wisniewski to be like kind of pop up to another level and that can contribute to this team popping up to another level. Uh, there are multiple guys on that list, but Wisniewski's probably along with Steele probably is the prime guy that you'd point to in the rotation for that. And then there's, you know, like a half dozen other names, uh, on offense and and in the bullpen that you, that they're going to need to to have similar type of pop ups uh, and and uh, I mean we'll we'll get to those names over the court, over the next coming weeks because I think it's there's a lot of gray area with those final spots on on the roster both uh, position players and and bullpen especially I I don't know what you're hearing out there Patrick but I feel like it's just like so who's going to make this bullpen? <laughs> like, the, not that it's been bad. Not that it's a, not that it's a mess or something like that. It's more like, I just don't, I like, I don't know what they're thinking right now with, with regards to the bullpen, because it is, it's going to be, it, it's not as clear as maybe it had been at least, especially like, I don't even know who were the first, like, are there guys that you're just like, yeah, he's in like, it's like Wick Boxberger and uh, who's other veteran that they Fulmer. So is that it? And then like maybe um, the lefty whose name I'm forgetting, Hughes. Hughes. Well, no, I think pop is the exact word that was in my head uh, as you were talking, Sahade, because where I'm sitting here uh, in the booth at Sloan Park, like I can see Christopher Morrell uh, during BP. And I think it'd be really fascinating the give and take in all these like different areas of like, 
okay, how much does the coaching staff want? Like baseline veteran professional experience at the major league level. And how much room do you give younger guys with talent to maybe pop and do something that, you know, isn't in the projection systems? And, you know, how much does the front office want to weigh long-term development, whether it's Morrell or Nelson Velasquez or even, you know, Nick Madrigal, like where are they on that? And are these kind of interconnected ideas um, to get to that place where they are, you know, beating some of these projection systems? So I think over the next couple of weeks, that's definitely something we'll be, you know, asking around about and and talking about, because it is kind of a a fascinating dynamic of like, who are the Cubs? What are they going to be? Like, they're going to have to start making some choices here pretty soon. I love the way I, I want to restate some of what you were just saying there, Mooney, because I think it's a perfect way to think about a lot of these uh, roster decisions that the Cubs need to make. And then also what this season can be. You know, if you're a team like the Cubs, that your your baseline, if everybody performs the baseline, sort of the expected guys to make the roster and sort of their expectations, you might win 78 to 80 games you're not going to compete for a playoff spot and that's that's this popping concept we've been we've talked about before and talking about today that they just are going to need some guys to surprise to the upside but if you are honest about your own roster and if you know that does that mean that you should give more opportunities to guys who have a very small chance of being awesome or do you give lots of that time to guys who are those steady performers that are like, yeah, you know, he's got an 80% chance of being a two-win player and it's not going to do much for you. And, you know, other organizations in another situation might be like, yeah, we want we need the steady guy at this spot because we want that high, we want that floor. Um, which it's just interesting to me because it's almost like the Cubs need to take more swings in terms of who the guys they they give runway because they're going to need more upside. Um, And it's not just about young guys, because sometimes it's a veteran that if you're putting them in a new position and you are not, whether literal or figurative, um, you you might see an opportunity to unlock a little more. But you those those kinds of things are necessarily a lower chance of actually happening. Um, Yeah, that's I'm going to give that some thought. And I I think folks should think about that because that's an interesting concept of like do the Cubs need to just basically take more risk with their roster choices? We talk about it throughout the offseason in terms of signings. Like we knew that's what Cody Bellinger was, for example. Very likely that he's not a star for the Cubs this year. That's the high likelihood outcome. But there's that small chance that he's super impactful for them. Um, do you do you take that same kind of thinking into your roster decisions and playing time decisions? Interesting to think about. Here's a th- I feel like there's multiple guys like that just, you know, in that you can touch on that you're like, yeah, I could I could see them having more of an impact than than we expected coming into the season like just in third base in general with Madrigal, with the with Edwin Rios, with Christopher Morel. Like these are all players who have had reasons why they kind of haven't had that opportunity to really show what they can be. I mean, Morel came came up straight from double A, right? Like he's there 
you knew that that uh, bump in the road was coming after that hot start, right? And it, and it, like it was really rough. I want to say for a month there, he was striking out near forty percent, if not over forty percent, right? Uh, and like not walking, like three percent walk rate. That's not that's not a player that can really succeed. Uh, so what can he be like? What what kind of combination of that hot start and the dreadful month? Uh, soon after that hot start that he had what what can he be what what is madrigal when fully healthy edwin rios is someone that basically just got squeezed out the dodgers can't play all these players like that that's just their reality they they have these constant 40-man crunches and and they have a lot of players that it's just like well i have to play him i have to play him he's he's a guy that needs to play every day and then all these other guys it's kind of like brett you've talked about it where the cubs were in like 15 16 or i guess 16 and 17 and 18 like these guys play uh and that's just you don't you don't get time to like see what someone else is see what type of player there is there may be people in the organization that really like them but it's just like that's not where we are in our like with what we're doing. We can't give this guy that the runway that he needs at the big league level. And I think Edwin Rios is is one of those uh, guys that there were people with the Dodgers that liked him, but they had other players that they just needed that were ahead of him in the in the pecking order. Uh, and can the Cubs benefit from that? Like take advantage of a of a you know a roster that. Uh, that has so much talent that that it kind of trickles down to the Cubs. Uh, Master Boney could be someone similar, maybe. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm just, you know, these are all different names that you don't expect them coming into the season be, to be hugely impactful, but can one of them pop up and, and be a, a player that's like, wow, I didn't expect him to play at that level this year, or, you know, I didn't expect Edwin Rios to, you know, give them 25 homers, and, and he certainly is capable of that. And that's something they desperately need. But I, I'm certainly not going to predict that. Uh, but it's it's well, a type of it's a type of performance that the Cubs will need for things to go right. I mean, Edwin Rios has an 1100 OPS right now in spring training. So, <laughs> per our earlier discussion, clearly he's he's ready to roll. <laughs> I mean, you you do see like what what attracted like what oh, yeah, what, the, what stands the, out like he's he's showing yeah, the, you why he's, power is he's uh, interesting. He just has ridiculous power. player. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, all right, let's leave it there. Mooney, do you got any like parting thoughts? I don't want to – I, I interrupted the normal rotation there. No, I would just wrap up on like wrapping up Rios. Like to me, Rios in. Rios is in. Like he's on the team, on the day roster. They gave him a major league deal. He's been working out, you know, playing first base, showing some versatility because of that. With Saya on the injured list, Mancini right. goes out to right. He gives you another option. Uh, with Hosmer. So to me, whenever Sahadev and I get around to our next roster projection, Rios is in and that is pretty much gospel. So, Yeah, I think the Suzuki injury, you know, because all these things are connected, the guy who probably stood to benefit the most in terms of, of uh, guaranteed roster spot is probably Edwin Rios, who, like so many of the other guys, he's got options left. We'll, we'll, I'm going to leave people with this because we'll talk uh, more of the those edges of the roster. The only player who's uh, sort of in discussions at the edges of the roster on the positional side who doesn't have minor league options remaining or isn't on a minor league deal is Zach McKinstry. So he's the only one that you would, you know, we run into this every year and it's usually tons of guys. We're like, yeah, but they can't option that guy or, oh, they, you know, really the Cubs have 
crazy flexibility this year. It's really just McKinstry is the only guy that they either he's got to make the team or he's got to hit waivers, uh, but he's the only one. All right, we'll leave it there. Uh, good talk. Good uh, mid-spring training check. Um, World Baseball Classic, like I said, is it's underway. There'll be more games um, stateside coming this uh, weekend. So we'll, we'll probably touch on it a bit next week uh, when we get back at you because there are a lot of Cubs players involved. And also it's just a potentially really fun uh, baseball event. And we like baseball because this is on Waveland. It's the Cubs slash uh, baseball podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs, as always, at The Athletic. And uh, we appreciate you. Make sure you're, you know, subscribing, rating, reviewing, doing all that good stuff. I should probably plug that a bit here at the outset of the season, especially. Uh, you know, if you if you like the silly things that we say on here, maybe maybe do a little five star situation for us. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Take care.